In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I do not know if you can remember exactly where you were and what you were doing on Friday morning at 8.41. I had just returned home from dropping our daughter Ellie off at school. It's something I do every morning during the school year. I think I enjoy the ritual, though I may not express that enjoyment every morning. As the cars move in procession through the parking lot, the teachers come out to open the car door and shepherd the students inside one by one. It's the same in reverse in the afternoon. As I prepare for the demands of my day, and Ellie prepares for the rigors of hers, there is some comfort in this real ritual of trust. On Friday, I could hardly be aware. At that same time, a world away, in Newton, Connecticut. Another group of students in another elementary class were being herded by their teacher into a small room, a washroom, and being told to keep still and keep quiet. There are bad guys out there now, she said, as she swiftly and silently set in place a line of defenses to protect her little charges. First, the locked door of the classroom, then a bookshelf dragged in place, then the door of the bathroom, then herself, her body, shielding those children from what outside worked its way through the halls. They could hear it all on the PA, the screams and the shots, as minutes of mayhem stretched into eternity. Did they cry, she was asked. If they started crying, I would take their face and say, it's going to be okay. Show me your smile. We want to go home, said one of the kids, for Christmas. As they heard the sounds outside, what went through their teacher's head? And so I'm hearing the gunfire in the hallway, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm the first classroom. Why isn't he coming? I said to them, I need you to know that I love you all very much and that it's going to be okay because I thought that was the last thing we were ever going to hear. I thought we are all we were all going to die. I wanted them to know. I wanted that to be one of the last things they heard. I love you all very much. Not the gunfire in the hallway. The teacher, Caitlin Roy, and her class were spared. It was not so for all the others. The spared were not spared the memory of this, the experience of hearing the screams and the shots as this drama played out live on the school. That PA system saved their lives, but it will also have scarred them. There will be plenty of analysis of all of this in the time to come, 
what went wrong, how can we stop something like this from ever happening again, the answers will only be as good as the questions. And the questions are always for us. Why? Why did God let this happen? Or where? The same question. Where was God in all this? And the answers for us are found always in those texts God has given us to search at times like this. Texts that point us back to the heart of God himself. Where is God? The Apostle Paul has given us an answer. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. He doesn't say anything about circumstances here. And knowing the circumstances of Paul's churches, Paul's word here, God is with you, God is for you, has to apply in all circumstances. The prophet Zephaniah, speaking to a people in distress, says, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. Fear not, O Zion, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Today, however, we hear John the Baptist say, speaking for Jesus, and he takes a different tone. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Which is it to be? We've heard them both this morning. Jesus himself does not set foot on the stage in Advent. We would think we would find him preeminently in the Gospels. It's a question. The Lord in Almighty coming in power to judge, to condemn, to execute, or the God of grace, coming in love to save, to deliver, to rescue. Which is it to be? Last week I said, easily enough, both and. This week, not so easy. The stakes are higher. John has reminded us that his motivation is that time is short and God's accounts are shorter still. The day of reckoning is at hand. Now, if John's wish is to induce panic, it seems to succeed. Under fire, the Judeans seek their fire insurance in the muddy waters of the Jordan. Under attack, they take cover as they can. But... Dare one ask where God is in this? 
one thing we know. When God arrives and steps on the scene in Jesus, no one knows it. No one realizes that it is him until things begin to move along. Least of all, John. They are all too busy trying to repent. And repentance, as we said, takes time, and time is what they haven't got. You see the problem. Fear is a powerful motivator. It is remarkably unproductive, however, when true repentance is the goal that is being motivated. And this is exasperated by the tendency of those burdened with guilt to run away when they hear God coming. And who is burdened with guilt? And I've said, how do you get rid of guilt? You repent, but that takes time. It's all or nothing, says John. The time is now. You must come clean. No one notices the figure who steps quietly onto the stage and heads for those baptismal waters, those muddy waters, to share them with a desperate humanity who have run out of time. No one. Well, John, sort of. Are you the one who was to come, he asks. Does he wait for the answer? He is never quite sure. We are sure of this. The winnowing fork is in his hand, and the fire is burning. But first, for the time being, Jesus comes to give us time, time to repent. He comes in power, but not just in power. He comes as God Almighty, as judge, jury, and executioner. He cannot be less than that. God cannot be less than that in a world in which so much goes wrong. But our God is so much more than that. Our God is so much more than power. Our God is love. How do you plan for love, prepare for love, drill for love, discipline for love. How do you do it? How do you bring a whole nation, a whole world, to be prepared for a God of love? How do you bring a whole world, a whole nation, to learn to renounce power? I don't know. Jesus once again steps onto the stage and into the muddy waters of sin and suffering with us. Where is God in all this? Where is God in all this? In teachers like these to put their lives on the line and lost them? in first responders who move into danger again and again, facing death. It happens every day, of course. Children get shot every day on the south side of Chicago. 
It's only when it hits a bunch of folks who are just like us, a thousand miles away, that it begins to hit home. Odd. And time to repent is what these children and adults did not get. As we settle in once again to soak up the violence that our prime time TV and our online gaming will give us, as this nation prepares to bathe itself in those bloody waters, imagining that some kind of catharsis is affected by immersing ourselves in such out-of-body experiences. Let us think about time, about the value of time, about what matters and what to do with time, because God has made human beings to be very fragile. They're easily bruised. They're easily hurt. This kind of thing can happen anywhere. This kind of damage can be inflicted with a carving knife, as we know. But I'm not planning to carve our Christmas turkey with a Glock or a Zieg Zauer. Our thoughts for the next days will drift back to Newton, Connecticut, and then it will all be forgotten until next time. Each time this happens, it is an aberration. It should never have happened. Why? Maybe this is the last time. Maybe it is. And we will strive to be even better prepared for something like this, drilled and disciplined in what to do, that we can do. And we can hope that, and some of us will pray that if the time comes when this is not a drill, that discipline will dissolve into trust. If Caitlin Roig's instructions were not heard and heeded within an oasis of calm that she created, the results might have been different. But there was a bond of trust there between teacher and students, a bond of love. So we will make our world safer from each other with locks and bolts and laws, more laws, more secure or so we think. And we will hug our children a little tighter before plonking them down in front of the TV or putting them online once more. Those are our babysitters. Have you watched what they're watching lately. And maybe, just maybe, we can use this time to learn to love a little better. That's all. That's hard enough. Get over the defensiveness that masks the fear that undergirds this whole society. As our friend and mentor J.I. Packer said, Christianity in this country is 5,000 miles wide and half an inch deep. And when you tap through that veneer, you dig into fear. Fear that goes all the way to China and back. The answer to fear is faith. Love, prayer, living out of yourself, 
putting others first. And we rejoice today. It's Gaudete Sunday. We light that rose-colored candle because people in Newtown, Connecticut, without thinking, put others first. Where is God in this? God is everywhere in this. He's in the victims. He's in the fear. He's in the faith. He is in all of it. I'll finish with this. I wrote these words to one of our community last week. Last week, last Friday, when this came out. We must ask ourselves what forces are at work in someone who does this. What inner and outer forces frustrations, rage, and despair. We may well ask what in our surroundings is exacerbating these tensions. Easy imagery of violence, easy access to any and all kinds of weaponry, an electronic culture which anesthetizes our senses and sears our consciences. But this must remain a mystery. Buried at the heart of the cross, at the heart of the God who, too, has seen a son die a violent death at the hands of hate-filled humanity swept away with murderous rage. A God who opens his arms to us, that same humanity, and says, I love you. As he has said to those children and says to them now over and over again on the other side of their ordeal, I love you. You are precious to me. You are mine. Amen.